The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the sponsor, Gross and Schuster. It's 1037. I'm Jenna Barr. You're listening to the Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Thank you for joining us this morning. You can join us in our text line with questions for our expert or feel free to call. The number is 850-437-1620. That's 850-437-1620 here at News Radio 92.3. Next expert up is our friend Terry Gross with Gross and Schuster. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. I uh, haven't talked to you, I don't think, uh, this year, so I uh, hope you have a happy new year and all that. Absolutely. Happy new year to you, a fresh start, and hopefully good things to come. Good. And uh, most of the people know uh, that I usually come with a, a topic, and but I do like calls. And if uh, someone wants to text you with a question, if they're sort of shy or wants to call us on the air, in the next 25 minutes, uh, how could they do that? Yeah, please feel free to call in or text into News Radio 92.3 here on Pep Talk. It's uh, 850-437-1620. Perfect. So uh, my topic today, we sort of touched on it before. It's really two topics in one. And one, uh, by the way, before I get into it, because I am doing podcasts, by the way, now. And uh, with a lot of success, so if people want to follow me on these podcasts, it's very simple. You could just Google Tort Talk uh, Podcast or Tort Talk uh, Podcast by Terrence Gross. If you do Terry Gross Radio, you're going to get the female Terry Gross uh, on the other uh, national station, but um, under either Terrence Gross, uh, but basically Tort Talk. And they're 12-minute segments. A lot of it is very similar to what we do on the air, most of these programs. And, uh, but, you know, we've talked about everything. But one of the uh, last podcasts, uh, the um, MC asked me, what is the most frustrating thing about being a personal injury lawyer? And I didn't even have to think because I knew the answer so quickly. And it's when you have someone that's really been injured, it's not their fault, but there's just not enough insurance coverage. It's frustrating for me. It's frustrating for the clients, and some of the clients just won't take no for an answer. But uh, that's why I'm always in a soapbox. I mean, how many times have we talked about having uninsured motorist coverage? So if you think you've got full coverage and you don't have uninsured motorist coverage, then you don't have full coverage by definition by any personal injury lawyer that I know that's worth their salt. So you you have to have uninsured motorist. And if you have multiple vehicles in your household, Florida allows you an option to stack. So you should always have stacking uninsured motorist coverage. And if that's all you learn today, then I think I've really done my job. But again, I get these horrific accidents. I'll give you a good example. This is a recent, recent case 
in the past 30 days happened in December. There was a fellow on Highway 90 in Milton, and he's just cruising along, an, an older fellow on his uh, motorcycle, no big biker, no big fast Harley Davidson, just a motorcycle. And, of course, a lady did a U-turn, never saw him, violated his right away, crashed into me, goes down, ambulance, ER, right into spinal surgery. So they come in to talk to me about two weeks later, and they told me that the lady was trying to de- you know, deny liability and whatever, so I always like to you know, figure that out sooner than later. And as we talked, I realized we were in my Milton office, because I do have a Milton office on Highway 90, that the accident only took place a half a mile away. I said, well, let's go down there. So we go down to the scene of the accident, and they still had a red circle where the uh, investigating officer had painted a circle, a red with spray paint, uh, where my client had ended up after the accident. And when I looked up, I saw like one of these little business centers. You know, it was like one of these little strip business centers with six small businesses in it. And I told the people, well, let me, you hang here. Let me go there. Maybe they got some surveillance because some of these have security cameras or, you know, or whatever they have, door rings, uh, and that maybe picked up the accident on accident. So we go in there and I go to all six businesses and none of them had any kind of exterior cameras, but two of the ladies, they actually knew me. Uh, one was an ex-client of mine, and one had heard me from the radio. And so the, the ex-client said, oh, yeah, I saw it, blah, blah, blah. And the next lady says, well, I came out later. We heard it, and I came out. So I didn't really see it, but I did have a customer that said he saw it. I said, well, you don't know that customer's name. Oh, yes, he's always in here all the time. In fact, I got his cell number right here. So they gave me a cell number, and within you know an hour, I got two eyewitnesses that clearly say that the other lady caused the wreck. So that's good. So my guy's injured. He didn't cause the wreck. And then I told them, I said, look, I'm real worried. You've already had spinal surgery. Your bills are already over $100,000. You didn't have full coverage on your motorcycle, and you don't have full coverage on your family vehicle. We have to find out how much coverage uh, there is, uh, on this lady that hit you. So we found out pretty quickly that the car that hit him had only had a 10 limit and the lady only had 20 on her own car. So there was only 30,000 available total, no matter what a lawyer did or argued only 30,000. So I told the client, I said, I'm overkill. You, you don't want to retain me because I'm going to be a detriment to you because if you retain me, and if I get one third, there's ten thousand out of thirty, and then you're left with twenty and all these medical bills. And to complicate things, if a lawyer gets involved, we have ethical guidelines about settlements and paying liens or whatever that don't apply to people. So I said, you need to settle yourself uh, and keep me out of this, um, which they did. And they were thankful, you know, for that advice and the effort I put in. I put you know, a couple hours in for free for them. But it's so frustrating because that case was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. But where are you going to go? If you've got a person with a 10 limit and a 20 limit, this is not Mrs. Donald Trump or some rich person. These are people barely getting by. So even if you went to court, 
three years later and some jury says $300,000, it's a piece of paper. A judgment is a piece of paper. And to collect on a judgment against a person, especially in Florida, is next to impossible. If a person really cared about it, they can go to my cousins, Lewis and Jernavoy, who are bankruptcy lawyers, and they can file whatever chapter it is. I don't know the difference between Chapter 7 or Chapter 11. But they can file Chapter whatever, and then all of a sudden the judgment goes away, and the person keeps their house, keeps their car, keeps their TV, keeps their clothes, and, and keeps their IRA and all that. So, you know, it, it's just virtually, virtually impossible. And I've had people, and this happens all too often, by the way, where there's just bad injuries, big bills, and just not enough coverage. And a lot of times people look at me like thinking, well, maybe I'm talking to the wrong lawyer. And I said, well, you know, if that's what you think, go talk to one. But, but, but again, that lawyer may try to get involved and end up, you know, spinning the wheels for a year before they figure out what I already know, or they'll, they'll charge you a fee on some small settlement, which, again, doesn't help you any. Uh, so I don't want to be the lawyer that gets a fee and my client gets nothing. I, I don't want to go down that road. But trying to get uh, a judgment against a person is really, really difficult. Even people that look like they are moderately successful. I mean, you look at their house, and it looks to be a you know $300,000 house. they got a rather new car in the driveway, maybe a boat in the driveway, and, and they and it looks like, okay, these people are flush. Well, if the house has got a mortgage on it, that, that the bank comes first if it's in joint names. You know, so maybe the husband caused the wreck, but the, the wife didn't do anything. You can't impair the wife's assets, plus there's, you can't take a homestead in, in Florida. So homesteads are protected from that type of thing. Uh, a lot of cars are financed, and if you put 2000 down on a car and you drive it off the car lot, there's no equity. It's a used car once it's off that lot. Same thing is true with the boat, except boats depreciate even faster. So this whole idea that you can collect against a person, it, it's just its a myth. It would take a very rare circumstance where you had somebody that was very wealthy, not married, with property solely in their name, not incorporated, with the properties paid off, that that you know you're talking about a one percenter. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but even so, the best example is you're still trying to figure out: Am I making any sense? Let's go to the most, the biggest example in America: a household name, someone that we know. If I say the name, you're going to say, aha, what name am I going to tell you? O.J. Simpson. How about O.J. Simpson? Mm. O.J. Simpson, and you're pretty young, but I will tell you, you might know from history, was a phenomenal running back in the NFL. Uh, ran for over 2,000 yards, two different seasons. Was a multi-multi-millionaire, not only from football, but he was also one of the first black athletes that white America was comfortable using on advertisements. So he was the face for Hertz. He was very good looking, beautiful smile. And they had all the old advertisements that many of us older people can remember with him jumping suitcases, hurdling suitcases in the airport to get his rental car to make the point that if you're a Hertz member, you don't have to run to the airport. 
and he had other advertisers as well. I think he was on Wheaties and, and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so multi-multi-millionaire. He was found not guilty uh, of murdering uh, Nicole and Ron Goldman, although many of us still think he was guilty. Two years later, a civil jury found him guilty civilly and awarded uh, the Goldman family 22 or $24 million, whatever it was, and next thing we know, O.J.'s in South Florida living in a mansion, playing golf every day, and thumbing his nose at them because they couldn't collect anything from him. Uh, again, they couldn't. Even if he's got $3 million house that's paid for, it's homestead, and you can't take a person's homestead. So um, these are the parameters. And, uh, and, again, a lot of people, a lot of very wealthy people, they set up LLCs, and the LLCs are corporations, and they're actually known as limited liability corporations. LLC, limited liability. They're meant to limit someone's liability. So you may be at a rental house on the beach, and something happens at that house, and they're suing the owner. Well, if it's an LLC, then you're you're going against a, a shell corporation with maybe no assets and and so forth. So it's just it's just more convoluted. Let me make it even more clear to you by a real life uh, uh, event that happened to me. So about six eight years ago, I, I used to rent a couple of houses in Gulf Breeze, and truthfully, I experimented with it, and I found out I don't like being a landlord. I don't I don't like being called on a weekend about a leaky toilet or, you know, whatever, and, and, and it just all that. And I was good about keeping up with it, but, it, you know, I, I just – it wasn't my DNA. I, di- I didn't like it. So I had her lady renter. She'd been there about two years. She'd always paid her, her rent either on time or just a couple weeks late, and she'd call. And so we had a good relationship. If something was wrong, I'd get it fixed. So we had a good relationship, but then I decided to sell the house. So I'll call her up. I wanted to give her two months' notice so she just doesn't kick, get kicked out at the end of the lease. So I tell her, you know, at the end of the lease, I, I, I really I don't want to renew because I want to sell the house. Well, she was real quiet, didn't say a word to me, but I noticed the next month I didn't get my rent. So I call her up and question her, and she goes, well, you're, you're taking my house from me. I'm not paying rent. I'm going, oh, ma'am, it's my house. I'm renting it to you. I, I'm selling it. I, I wasn't being mean. I thought I was being nice, probably giving you advance warning. Anyway, so she got miffed that, you know, that I was kicking her out of this place. So she just didn't pay the last two months rent. So I kind of got, I thought, man, I've, I've done everything this lady's asked for. Every time she, there was a leak or something or we always got it fixed. So I I decided to sue her in small claims in Milton thinking, well, you know, she'll get scared like most people and she'll just pay me and not want to go to court. Well, we sue her, we serve her, and now I'm going, we're in court, and there she is. And we go up before the judge, and the judge looked at us, and she read my complaint, and she goes, ma'am, are you contesting the fact that you owe Mr. Gross's money? And she goes, no. So you admit you owe Mr. Gross the money. Yep. And uh, do you want to work out a payment plan so you could pay Mr. Gross back on time? Nope. So you have no intentions of paying Mr. Gross? Nope. 
and she obviously must have talked to a lawyer or whatever, figured out that I couldn't really collect. So I got this judgment, and it's probably growing at 5% interest, whatever it was, 2000-something. And uh, But how am I going to collect against a person that doesn't own any property? She's a renter. She didn't own anything. So it, that's another example where you just can't get blood out of a turnip. So um, that's the frustrating thing about being a lawyer, that I know what to do. I know how to do it, but if I don't have coverage, um, you know, you can't pull a rabbit out of a hat. And and sometimes I'll get people, and you'll hear this case, and they'll set them up, and this person will come in. And as I interview them, you could tell them that the that they're sort of savvy, that they've learned something. And I go, uh, "Have you talked to another lawyer about this case?" And oh yeah, you're the fourth lawyer. Well. <laughs> And then I give the same opinion. I said, well, you've already talked to three lawyers. I, I presume they've all told you what I just told you, that, again, we can't get blood out of a turnip. And they look at it and says, well, I just wanted to hear it one more time. I said, well, now you've heard it, but, but if there's limitations of coverage, there's very little a lawyer can do about that. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is frustrating, uh, but it, it, it is a component. And... Uh, I always tell people about their car insurance, and every year we look at people's car insurance. So we will in May, we'll advertise it. I'll get on the show and let you know, but it'll be sometime the first week of May, which is also law week. We look at people's car insurance to make sure that they have on their insurance uh, what we would call full coverage. Because, again, some of these agents sell you this stuff and they call it full coverage and I'm looking at it going, this ain't full coverage. This is not even close. This is lawful. It's legal coverage, but it's not full coverage and and, and so you, you gotta have uninsured motorists. It should equal your bodily injury limits. So if you've got bodily injury which protects you, if you're sued because you mess up and you rear in somebody, so if you've got a hundred thousand of bodily injury liability, then conversely, you should have $100,000 of uninsured motorist stacking. So if you had a household where the wife has a car and the husband's got his regular car and his old beat-up hunting truck, if you've got 100,000 of uninsured motorist coverage on each and every one, then 100 times 3 is 300,000 dollars so even if the person that hits you only has a 10 limit now i will tell you that as you drive around all this traffic you see everywhere 50 percent of the drivers only have a 10,000 limit 50 percent of the drivers in florida and ten thousand dollars for an injury case is diddly squat but if you don't have uninsured motorists then even a good lawyer like me, after 43 years of practice, is going to be forced to settle for $10,000. Uh, and that's why I try not to get involved in those cases, because I don't want to settle a case for 10000 and get a, 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 a $3,300 fee, and then the client maybe get nothing, and, and, then I, and then all of a sudden the person's going around telling me, I got Terrence Gross, and he settled, he got paid, I didn't get anything. So I don't, I don't even want to go there. Uh, and I avoid those cases like the plague, even though they have a claim, even though they're injured, and it wasn't their fault. Uh, another mistake people make is they drop their coverage or reduce their coverages 
on older vehicles. I mentioned like the old hunting truck. So this guy's got this beat-up hunting truck. So maybe you could drop the collision. If it's only worth 2000 and you know it's total, you know, it's not the end of the world uh, if you don't have collision. But you, it doesn't matter because uninsured motorist protects your body. So whether you're in your brand-new Lexus or your old beat-up pickup truck, you could be injured in either. And now that you understand stacking and you have three vehicles, why not utilize that? Because stacking insurance adds pennies to your premium versus non-stacking. You save very little. It's good for the insurance companies because they get to limit their liability, but stacking is good for the consumer. They don't tell you that. So um, anyway, uh, I, this is Terrence Gross. I, I, I do want to let you know that if you uh, enjoy some of these conversations, um, you got to check out the podcast. I got a few of my clients are listening to it now. They they walk, maybe they got a, an earbud, and they can walk and listen to these things on, on Tort Talk. All you got to do is Google Tort Talk, and you'll find me on on the podcast. Uh, if you want to call us about an injury case, eight five zero four three four. Three 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 three. We have five offices throughout the Panhandle here: Milton, uh, Crestview, uh, Navarre, and Fort Walton. Our primary office, as most of you know, is right there at the corner of Palafox and Cervantes. We love free consultations. We could zoom with you if you want to zoom. Uh, we try to really communicate. I got my two sons in with me and my son-in-law, and it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you uh, hosting this. Thank you, Terrence. Appreciate it a lot. Again, it's just shy of 1059 on News Radio 92.3. Like Terry mentioned, you can go online, grossandschuster.com. You can contact them today. The uh, main number is 850-604-4859. Or you can start a chat with them online as, as well. Again, that's grossandschuster.com. Thank you for joining me this morning on the Pensacola Expert Panel. I'm Jenna Barr. Join me tomorrow. It looks like we have a full lineup for you. I don't think I get time to list them all, but tune in tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. here on News Radio 92.3 for the Pensacola Expert Panel. Have a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.